Uh, good morning, Crossroads Ministries. Welcome to Crossroads Ministry Stadium behind us here this morning. I want to thank you for being here, for tuning in, watching us online. I want to thank you for tuning in for the, in the auditorium here this morning. Would you please stand? We worship together here this morning. Here we go.
Good morning. Good morning. Have a seat. Good to be with you guys. Listen, I am so thankful for this church because we worship Jesus Christ. He is king. He is faithful. He is good. Church, that is something that we can be thankful about. Amen. Amen. So listen, thank you. Thank you, worship team. That was awesome. I love that song. That song was great. It's good to be with you. Good to gather with you. I'm glad you're joining us online. And so listen, if we have any guests in the house, welcome. We're glad you're here. Please, please do us a favor. Grab that connect card in front of you and fill it out. Take it to the Welcome Center. And they want to connect with you. They have something to give you by just saying thanks for being with us. We have a gift for you. So please stop by the Welcome Center. If you're online, let us know. You're, uh, you're hanging out with us for the first time. And, and we'd love to connect with you online. Uh, listen, church, it's exciting what God is doing here and what we have to share with you this morning is very, very, very cool. So a few things uh, before we do that. Um, I want to share with you that uh, please be, please use that Connect card in front of you if there's anything we can connect with you about. Uh, please write a prayer request on there or, or maybe ask a question and we'll follow up with you. So please use that and we would count it a privilege to be able to serve you in that way. Um, our car cruise and our men's Bible study. This week we're taking a break. Uh, we have our mega sports camp this week. And uh, so we're going to be, uh, we're taking a break and then we're going to be picking up uh, the next week on the 19th and the 20th for our car cruise and our men's Bible study. And uh, listen, mark your calendars for August 7th. We're going to be having, um, we're going to be having our church picnic at Palmer Park. There's going to be a softball game and a cornhole tournament. So I'm competitive and I want to see how much more competitive you are than me. So please, we'll see you on the 7th. I'm sure there's someone out there, believe me. I know some of you. I've seen you play games before. Come on, church. Um, but listen, it's going to be August 7th at Palmer Park. Great food, good people, and it's going to be a great day just to hang out with our church family on the 7th of August. Um, I also want to tell you that we have our last movie night um, on August 17th. We're going to be showing the movie Sing 2. Uh, it's a great family movie, so come on out. We're going to be having some inflatables and food trucks, and we're going to be making a little bit more of a, a family hangout night, so we'll share more information to come. But make sure you mark your calendars for August 17th. We're going to be showing Sing 2 uh, down on the field on our 32-foot inflatable screen. It's pretty impressive. It's pretty cool. Every time I'm like, it blows up, and I'm like, it's, it's amazing. It works. I don't know. It's still, I'm still a little kid inside, right? Anyway, but mark mark calendars, August 17th. Church, I want to I want to share a verse um, as we just just think about God's goodness and His faithfulness and His kindness. This is Psalm one sixteen five, and it says, "How kind the Lord is, how good He is, so merciful this God of ours." And as we think about God's mercy and His goodness and His faithfulness and His kindness, that which He has given to us, we're going to respond in worship through our gifts. So, church, thank you for your faithfulness in giving online through the boxes and just through the mail uh we continue to just respond to god's mercy and his thank and his and his goodness and his kindness through giving so thank you church for being so faithful in giving at this time i'm gonna, I'm gonna ask uh deacon dan if you'd uh, come on up uh you know i want to share with you this is pretty cool in front of me i have 19 pages church you can see these are full of names of kids 300 plus kids are going to be at mega sports camp this week and, and no, I, you know, we, we print off reports and we, you know, I asked Kim and Christy to run this report and, um, it's not just a report. It's not just a number. They're, these are lives. You know, I'm looking at these names, Alexander, Emmeline, Thomas, Faye, Olivia, Tegan, uh, uh, Blake, Lincoln, Reagan, Micah, Colton, 
you know, a penny. Like, I'm looking at all these names. These are our children. These are our friends. These are people that maybe just said, hey, I heard about this. And they're going to be here this week. And so, Dan, would you come and just pray over, pray over these names and pray over our week? Dear Heavenly Father, thanks for uh, this church. Uh, thanks that we do a, a good job here of, um, of going through your word, God, and um, that we're really focused on you. And I pray that that's what would happen with the Mega Sports Camp this week, God. I pray that all the focus would be on you. Um, I pray for uh, the kids that are coming, God, that their hearts would be open to you. Um, if they don't know you, God, I pray that they would know you uh, this week. And if they do know you, I pray that they would know you more this week. And I uh, really pray that they would just uh, start to form uh, a personal relationship with you. I pray for the leaders, uh, God, that uh, you would just be uh, with, with us. And um, God, just uh, speak through us. I pray that we would do a good job of showing your love uh, to the kids, God, and uh, that we would accurately uh, portray um, uh, who God is. And um, we thank you so much uh, for uh, creating us, uh, creating uh, uh, everything, God, and for uh, sending Jesus uh, to die on the cross for our sins, God, because we all fall short and we're all fallen people. Uh, but uh, but you use us in, in, in mighty ways, God. We have to do our part, and then you do your part. And I pray that you would do that this week. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Dan. Church, would you stand as we continue in worship this morning?
September 1977, NASA launched, launched Voyager 1 to study the outer solar system. On February 14th of 1990, that mission came to an end. And after completing its primary mission, uh, uh, preparing to leave the solar system, NASA engineers turned its camera back to planet Earth, and, uh, and they got a picture of planet Earth from 4 billion miles away. I'm going to put this picture up here for you to see here today. This is the planet Earth from 4 billion miles away. You can look this up online. It's called the pale blue dot. And uh, we'll show the arrow so you can actually see the dot. That, that, is, that is planet Earth from 4 billion miles away. Now, when you think about it, you think of how big the world is, right? You think of how big your problems are. Sometimes we think how big that we are, Right? You think of all the stuff that you're going through, and, and look at the world. Look at the universe from a, from a billion, four billion miles away, like when, to get this from the satellite. And so um, there was an astronomer. Uh, he was an astronomer and a writer. His name was Carl Sagan. 
In a speech at Cornell University in 1994, he described the lessons that he took from this picture. Now, check this out. This is what Carl Sagan had to say. He said, if you look at it, you see a dot. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone, uh, everyone that you have ever heard of, every human being who's ever lived, they lived out their lives on that dot. The aggregate of all joys and sufferings, thousands of religions, ideologies, and, and economic doctrines, every hunter and forager, every hero, every coward, every creator and destroyer of civilizations, every king and every peasant, every young couple in love, every hopeful child, every mother and father, every inventor and every explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every supreme leader, every saint and every sinner in the history of our species lived on a moat of dust suspended in a sunbeam. The earth is a very small stage in a vast cosmic arena. Our posturings, our imagined self-importance, he says, the delusion that we have some privileged position in the universe are challenged by this point of a pale light. Our planet is a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic dark. And I'll tell you what, as Carl looked at that, he gained some lessons, but he doesn't have the whole story. See, the whole story is, yeah, we sometimes think a little bit more about ourselves. We think a little bit highly of ourselves than we ought to. But what Carl didn't understand was that God thinks a lot more of you than you think of yourself sometimes. That God has a higher place on you and all the grand scheme of creation. God has a grand plan for you and he has a plan for your life. And so, so Carl had half of it right. But I, I just want you to look here as you stand back and you think from, from this bird's eye. I guess it's not really a bird's eye, right? From a, from a satellite view, billions of miles away, what the, here's our world. Like it's, you know, you just want to fly around the world and it's so big and it, it's so incredible to us. But yet in the midst of God's creation, it is one part of God's creation. Henry Norris, Russell, he was a Princeton astronomer back in the day. He, uh, he, after he did a lecture on the Milky Way and the vastness, the grandness of, of the Milky Way galaxy, a woman came up to him and he said this, If our world is so little and the universe is so great, can we believe that God really pays attention to us? And Dr. Russell replied, That, rep- uh, that, that depends, madam, entirely on how, believe, how big you believe your God is. And so, folks, today, this morning, I want to take an attempt to show you just a little bit of how big our God is. As we're going through the Psalms, we've been studying in the book of Psalms, we're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 8 in just a few moments here. It's a, a psalm of, a, of, of praise to the Lord. It's a praise of creation. It's a praise of who we're going to see the grandness and majesty of God. And then you're also going to see how that, that majesty impacts your life, how that majesty affects your life. And so it's pretty, empower, pretty powerful. But as you, as you open your Bible, if you were to open your Bible and you look there on the paper Bible, uh, right above Psalm chapter 8, it'll say Psalm 8, and then it has like a little, little musical note. Because remember, these were songs. These were songs that were sung. I would call them the top 150, right? So if uh, you, know, you have the top 40 today, this was the top 150 of the Jewish songs. 
Um, like these are the ones that have survived that we know about, and God inspired them for us to read, to understand, to grow. But they would actually sing them. And, and, and so as we jump into this today, at the top of it in, in, in the Bible, it says there, to the chief musician on the Giddeth. Now, the chief musician on the gift. So he's sending it to the musicians and the gifts. And, I, you know, for years I've just overlooked those and said, well, that's that music stuff. I don't know what that is, right? And so um, because I just want to know the meaning of the scripture. Well, the gifts, if you go and you find out what it, the gifts, the, the word gifts comes from the word that means wine press. And so there was an instrument that was shaped like a wine press, looked like a wine press, and it was a stringed instrument. It, it probably had, uh, David would be playing one of these. And remember, David was, a, a, he was the author of this particular psalm. He authored 73 of these psalms. And so as, he's, uh, as he was a young shepherd boy, he was musical. We know that he played the harp before the king. And so he would play the gizm, likely. And the gizm was like a small version of the harp, if you will. And it was a stringed instrument. And it would be a, a very upbeat type of thing. And so as you go and you look at the Giddeth, you, you, you find that today we would, you could trace all the way back our word guitar comes from the Giddeth. You know, we had a Giddeth up here today, didn't we? Because I told him, the Giddeth, and he was getting it, right? He had it. It was the guitar. He was strumming that guitar. And listen, it was upbeat. It was exciting. And, and that's what this was. This was a psalm that was upbeat, and it was exciting, and they're having fun, and they're worshiping God, and, and man, they're moving, I mean, you know, when that guitar gets going, you, unless you're a Baptist, you move the music, right? I mean, that's what happens. You just get moving. And that's what would happen. They would be in the, some scholars believe they actually sang this while they were in the wine press. You know, back in those days, the grapes, and they're taking their bare feet and trampling and making you a beverage. It's another reason not to drink that stuff, right? So, I mean, they're, they're, just, they're, just, they're just smashing up. And they're, just, they're just singing this before the Lord. And so it starts out, Psalm chapter 8, verse 1. This is to the chief musician on the gift. So he says, hey, I want you guys to play this, and I want it to be upbeat. So this is an upbeat song of the creation of God. Psalm chapter 8, verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. Because of your enemies, they were, uh, that you silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you would visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all the sheep, all the oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. And so we see here just nine short verses. It's a little song, and they would, they would sing this over and over again. You know, it's kind of like... I say it's kind of like our modern music. We sing the same thing over and over. You know, just kind of repeat some of those things. They, would, they repeated verse 1 and verse 9. It's the exact same thing. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. And as you stand back, you see, what is David doing? David's telling us about the grandeur of God. That word excellent. The word excellent is a Hebrew word. That, uh, uh, the Hebrew word is a deer, and it means like majestic. Some translations actually translate that as 
majestic. It means power, mighty. It's a regal term. It's a royal term. It's, he's saying this, our Lord, our Lord, how majestic, how kingly. You're the king of the universe. That is your name in all the earth. You have this majestic name in all the earth. O Lord, our Lord. And so we see that word shows up in the Bible and other places. Over in Exodus 15, we see, Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, the majesty of God? Psalm 96.6, Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. So he's painting this picture, and as he's singing unto the Lord, we see this powerful Powerful mention of the majesty of God, the king of the universe. And what he's going to do is he's going to go through this psalm, and the, those are the end caps. We start at the beginning, and we start at the end. It's a hymn of praise to the Lord of creation. But he starts with the first line, and the last line are the exact identical. And so what he's going to do is he's going to go through, and he's going to show us several ways that God reveals his majesty to us. And as you look at this this morning, I want to remind you of the majesty of God. First of all, he says that God reveals his majesty by his name, by the name of the Lord. How excellent is your name? God reveals his majesty by his name. On April, April 14th, 1865, John Wilkes Booth, you're familiar with the story of John Wilkes Booth, fatally shot and murdered President Abraham Lincoln. After he shot... Uh, after he shot President Lincoln, after he killed him, he jumped. Out. He was in the Ford's Theater, if you recall, up in the balcony. He jumped out of the balcony to escape. And as he jumped, he came down, and history tells us that he actually broke his ankle, I believe, leg or ankle. And so he breaks his ankle. He flees out of there. That was on April the 14th, 1865. Obviously, he's fleeing so he, so he doesn't have to pay for his crime, right? Uh, but in the early mornings of April 15, 1865, John Wilkes Booth, one day later, the next morning he shows up on a farm in Waldorf, Maryland, at the farm of a doctor named Dr. Samuel Mudd. And Dr. Samuel Mudd, he, uh, he, he took care of him. He came in, he put his, put his leg in a splint, he bandaged him, and he got him back on his feet. Eventually they caught up with John Wilkes Booth, and as you know the story, he was convicted. And then uh, they found out about his connection to John, uh, to, to Dr. Samuel Mudd. Dr. Samuel Mudd was then arrested, and Dr. Samuel Mudd was gone through trial, and, and he was found guilty. He was tried by a military tribunal. He was tried, tried and found guilty. He escaped the death penalty by only one vote. Uh, he lived all of his life, the rest of his life in jail, claiming his innocence all the way up until he died. I mean, he just, for a lifetime, he claimed that he was innocent, that he, he was not in on a conspiracy to kill Abraham Lincoln. Uh, after he died, his family tried to clear his name. I mean, the guy had a bad name. I mean, it was, it was like he, he was in on conspiracy, that he was helping this guy. And so he had a bad name. Uh, even up until as recently as 2003, the, the, the descendants of his family tried to get his name cleared in the courts of the United States of America. Today, whenever you have a bad reputation, somebody says something that's not true or they didn't follow through, that, like, like something bad about the person, what happens? You say, your name is as good as what? Mud. 
Well, that's where that statement originated from. I thought that originated from the mud in my backyard. Like, your name is as good as mud. Your name is as good as mud. This guy, he can't shake it. He is he lied. He's got a bad reputation. He's followed him the rest of his life, right? So so a name is important. God reveals his majesty by his name. Look at what he says. He says, O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name. In the Hebrew culture, names meant something. Names were extremely important. As a matter of fact, as you're reading here and you look, it says, O Lord, our Lord. The first Lord is all caps, L-O-R-D, all caps. The second Lord is just capital L, lowercase O-R-D. The reason for that is because there are actually two different words. And when you're reading the Bible and you see it all caps, the word Lord, L-O-R-D, it is the proper name of God. So the proper name of God is, is in Hebrew is Yahweh, okay? So you can, you can go, and when you see that, you'll think Yahweh. We translate it over into English sometimes as Jehovah. So sometimes the translators will put it as L-O-R-D, all caps. Sometimes they'll put Jehovah. Um, but Yahweh was the proper name of God. This was the name that whenever Moses went up to the burning bush of God, and, and Moses, you know, God's calling Moses to... To go free his people, go tell them. And, and he's like, you know, go, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses says back to God, well, who should I say sent me? And God says, tell them I am sent you. That's this word, Yahweh. That's, that's, the, that's the, the word. It's the same word. Yahweh, I am. It is the self-existent eternal one. Aren't you thankful that our God does not need anything else to exist? I need God to exist, don't I? I needed a mom and a dad to exist. But God, God is the one who needs no one to exist. And so this this separates him from all of creation. This separates him from anybody that you know. He is the Lord. He is the covenant-keeping God. This is who He is. He keeps His promises. He is the eternal one, the self-existent one. And so so you have that term. And then the second one, L-O-R-D, capital L, lowercase O-R-D, is Adonai. And this word Adonai is the word is, gives us the concept of the sovereign God. It's the one who has not only the ability but the authority to be sovereign. So he is the sovereign God of the universe. So when David is singing this psalm and, and they're on the wine press and the Giddeth is getting it, and they're singing, O oh Lord, our Lord, they're singing, Yahweh Adonai, Lord God Almighty, how Excellent is your name above all the earth. Your majesty is everywhere. Your majesty, nobody can, nobody can surpass you. You are the, majest, the majestic king of the universe. And as you look at this, I want to remind you that names were important. So as you read the scripture, lean in and hear what God is speaking there. We're seeing that these are the, 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 these are the, the names that, of God that they're revealing to us. As a, as a matter of fact, as you go through this, I want to remind you that the, that word Yahweh, that the, the rabbis today, whenever they come to the word Yahweh, they won't even pronounce it. 
They have such a revere for the name of God that they want to respect the name of God. They'll read Adonai, they'll read all the other names, but that Yahweh is his title, that it's his name proper, Yahweh. And so they come to there. And what it's doing is it's telling us who he is, the existent one, the self-existent one. Man, are they. You know, names are so important. When you pick the names of your kids, you have a reason for picking the names of your kids, don't you? Like maybe you picked the name of your kid because it was a family name. Like somebody was here last night and they were explaining to me that that was a baby. The little baby was a couple months old. And they said, well, we named this baby after both grandpas. So, the first, you know, one grandpa's first name, the other grandma was the, uh, grandpa was the second name. And so that's how they went. I'm reminded of my own kids, how we pick the names for our own kids. And, you know, it's, uh, I've told you before about charise. Uh, charise is a Greek word. It means a gift from God. But I'll tell you what, uh, you know, when, when you're, whenever you're picking a name, you, you, you look at it and you say, okay, how, do, how does this work? Well, my wife had actually heard that name before, and it was her youth pastor had a daughter named Charise. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. But, you know, I need a little bit more for this. And, and, you know, I I had offered my suggestions of names, and, of course, they were thrown out. (laughs) Just kidding. Anyhow, we we worked together, and as we were working on this name, we were working up the name and coming along together to pick the name. I found out that that word charis in the Greek means gift from God. Well, the the rest of the story that I seldom share is that before charis was born, my wife had had a miscarriage. And this was the next child after the miscarriage. And so we pray and we ask God for his gifts. We said, Lord, would you give us this little girl, this gift from you, God? And so, you know what? She has been a gift from God. She's 26 years old today. 26 years of a gift from God. We named her with a purpose, right? That was, that was, there was some meaning. And, you know, it, it, was, it was something important. Rhonda had heard the name before. Then when it was time for number two, child number two, we came up with the name Kara because in the Greek, Kara means joy. And her middle name, we named her Joy. So she's Joy Joy. So when you see her, just call her Joy Joy, and she'll be mad at me for a couple of weeks. All right? But listen, Kara Joy. And I'll tell you what, both of those kids have lived. That, that's what we, we said. This is the trajectory we want for your life. We want joy. We want the gift of God. We want, we want God's blessing on your life. And I realize that many times... People don't look in the Greek and Hebrew to find their kids' names. Many times you pick your name, and you know what? You don't go picking your name. You, know, you don't come and say, hey, I'm, I think I'll name, name my daughter after my ex-girlfriend. What do you think, honey? <laughs> that doesn't go over too well, you know? You, you wouldn't go name your, name your son after the boss that you couldn't stand, you know? Hey, here's George. I can't stand you. You know? Why? You, you say, hey, George, I didn't get along well with George, right? So you don't name him that, right? And so, so names are important, and whenever it comes to God, His name is important. The Scriptures are telling us here that His name is majestic. It is a majestic name. And yet, what do we do so many times in our world? We hear His name treated lightly. Over in Exodus 20, verse 7, Scriptures tell us, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. This is Yahweh. You know, when they were transcribing his name, they would drop the vowels because they were so afraid of miswriting the name. His name is Yahweh. It it was like 
yeah, this is, this is God. This is the God of the universe. And God said, you shall not take my name and treat it lightly. What do people do today? They, oh, they hit their toe. Oh, and out comes an expletive. And the name of God comes out in vain. And it comes to be treated so lightly. I want to encourage you. Don't do that. Not because you're... Listen, we've all broke the Ten Commandments. That's why Jesus paid on the cross for us to go to heaven. Amen? It's, it, listen, but the, the, the deal is this. Understand His name. It is so valuable. If you're going to do that, take a false God's name in vain. Oh, Buddha. You know what I mean? Honestly, how many times? My wife has heard me say that before. Oh, dear Buddha. You know why? Because I'm not going to dishonor my God. Man, dear sweet Dalai Lama, right? Just, just take those names in vain. Don't take the name of your God Almighty in vain. Because he is majestic. He's all-powerful. And God says, don't mistreat this. Treat it with respect. Psalm 30, verse 4 says, Sing praise to the Lord, you children of his. Give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. So when I hear the name of the Lord, I want to give thanks to him. And when I hear people out there that disrespect the name of the Lord, you know what I do? I don't get mad at them. They don't understand. They don't know the majesty of my great God. I turn back and I say, all right, Lord, it's time for me to praise you because they didn't. And I just worship my God because great is his name in all the earth. Great is his name in all the earth. There are over 900 names and titles in the Bible that describe our God. 900. Like, so God says, do not take his name in vain. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Point number two. This morning, he shows us that God reveals his majesty by the innocence of children. The innocence of children. You say, how does that happen? Verse 2, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants. What comes out of the mouth of a baby and a nursing infant outside of milk. What comes out of it? Anybody? What, what, what does a baby do? Cries. The scriptures tell us here that the cries of a baby have ordained strength. What? The, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. Jesus helps us with this. Over in Matthew chapter 21, Jesus was dealing with the Pharisees. The Pharisees, as you know, did not praise him. The religious leaders of the day did not praise him. Let me just read to you Matthew 21, verse 15 and 16, because Jesus actually quotes this, Psalm 8, 2. He says this. This is what we see in Matthew 21, 15. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. They were indignant, and they said to him, Do you hear what they are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read, and then he quotes this, Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants. And then what Jesus does is he gives a little translation so you can understand it. 
Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. You know what is happening when that baby is crying? It is declaring praise to the Lord God Almighty. Now, for some of you, you say, three in the morning, really? Can we praise God in the morning? Um, you know what? Babies, they don't, you can't really control too much of their crying, can you? They just start to cry. Some of you are getting ready to have a baby. You know what's coming, right? That's what's happened, right? The, the babies just cry. And, and as, that, as that baby just cries, I want to remind you, it's out of the mouth of babes. Like, like, listen, man, the children are a gift from God. They, this is a miracle of creation right here. When you see that baby, it's a miracle of creation. Man, O'Day, I want to remind you that every life is precious to God. And we must defend every life from the womb to the tomb. Amen? That's what God's called us to do. Listen, that baby was put in the mother's womb. Psalm 139 says, When I was in my inward parts, in my mother's womb, when it was dark and nobody knew who I was, God, you knew me and you were making me, you were forming me. Folks, that is where the beginning of life begins. It comes from God. And listen, our world is upside down on this. And this is not a political speech. This is the truth of God's word. God declared, he said, listen, out of the mouth of babes. And I have to share that truth with you. Listen, I know what's going on out there. It's ugly out there. Because God is not the foundation. So what I'm giving to you is for the follower of Jesus Christ, understand and walk in his way. Understand that that baby, listen, when that baby is born and you hear that cry, listen, it is praise and glorifying God. Sometimes you'll hear a baby cry in our service. They just didn't realize we were done singing. They're just trying to say amen to the sermon. You thought it was a distraction. They're saying, preach it, brother. Listen, those cries are a cry unto the Lord. And that's what the scriptures tell us here. Listen, every cry is a, listen, the babies are a miracle. You could have just graduated from college and somebody shows up, you know, you're, you're getting all, everybody's all happy for you. And there's somebody with a baby there. And they go, hey, that's great. Now let me play with the baby. Because it's a miracle of creation. Man, I don't care. You might have had your 50th wedding anniversary. What a great accomplishment. You bring a baby into that party. Everybody's like, oh, nice. Oh, we're playing with a baby. Everybody wants to see that baby. Everybody wants to be encouraged by that baby. And when you rally around that baby, why? Because it is the, it's the gift of life. It's the miracle. And only God can do this. And, and as we start to understand this, he says, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. The Lord God has ordained strength. He has perfected praise from the mouth of the, of the babies, of the children. And so, you know, the children are just innocent, aren't they? Isn't it beautiful when you're around an innocent child? There's just something so beautiful about it. You know, uh, Jesus here, he says, he's, in Mark 10:15, Jesus says, I say unto you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not enter it at all. He says, innocent. Come and trust. Take down, stop being so full of yourself. Man, isn't that amazing how you go from this baby to becoming so full of ourselves? 
you know, that little baby starts to grow. And as they start to grow, they start to have fun. And I'll never forget, Kara was my little girl. I'd come home, and she'd always be playing in dresses. She always had Cinderella dresses on. She'd come home, and she'd just be spinning around. And when she was four years old, not one time did she go, Dad, do you think I look fat today? Never. Never. They don't do that at four years old, right? Not one time do you ever see a little four-year-old kid go to his dad and say, Dad, I'm wearing last night's dinner. Could you wash it off? Why? Because they're innocent. They haven't seen the rest of their life yet. And as they come in, they're so trusting. They're so, they, they love your love. They respond so well. God says, that's what I want. I want you to respond to me. I want you to respond to me. I want you to, lo- I want you to stop being so full of yourself. It's okay you got last night's dinner and your hair's all messed up. I want you to know that I love you just as you are. And and I want this relationship with you. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, he has perfected praise. Over in Matthew 18, he says this. He says, Truly I say unto you, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as a child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Man, this is what God wants to do. He wants you... To understand those, listen, even a crying baby. And how does it give strength? Now, check this out. It says, They're because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and their avenger. When you hear that baby cry, now remember this, now listen to this. To the ear of God, that baby's cry is reaching the ear of God, and it's louder to God than the enemy's statement. It's louder. God hears that more than the enemies. Oh, look, we hate God. We're against God. We're going to do our own way. God says, the baby that I've created praises me more, and I hear that more than all of their statements that they say. So, folks, be not alarmed in the world in which we live today because that little baby is crying out unto the Lord, and he's praising the Lord. All society is not. That little baby is declaring the majesty and glory of God to you. So when you hear that baby, just say amen next time. And you thank God for what he's doing in that child. Uh, Listen, children are important to God and they're important to us. Here at our church, man, this children are so important. This is why I have my own stage up here today of crowd, you know. Like if you weren't out there, I'd sit you up here today, right? Uh, listen, the reason we do this, we have over 300, I think there's 310 or 12 kids signed up so far, and, and that's only going to climb this week. We've, why are we doing this? We, we've made an investment of our time, our talent, and our treasures, everything we're doing. We are shutting everything else down this week. We are opening our doors to the kids, and we're telling our community, bring your friends, bring your family. We're going to play baseball, softball, whatever, cooking classes. they got it all going on. Why? Because we know that children matter to God. And that is such as the kingdom of God. And we want them to come to a relationship with Jesus at 8, 9, 10, 11 years old and watch the trajectory of their life change forevermore. I'm living example of one of those. And that's what God does. And God is still working. He's still moving. So be in prayer this week as this place tomorrow. I mean, as soon as we're done, they're telling me, they're, they're saying, hurry up and get this message done because they've got to tear this place apart, right? They're going to take every chair out of here. They're going to turn. Going to, this is going to be a wild place. 
Uh, we'll put some videos up throughout the week to show you what's happening. But listen, let me just tell you, the movement of God is upon this place. God's doing something new, as he said in Isaiah. The Lord is doing a new thing, and God is doing something new. And But listen, we will always, always, always honor the Lord by giving the children. Jesus said, bring the little children unto me. Point number three, God reveals his majesty by the evidence of creation. Oh, I could take forever on this one. Psalm chapter 8, verse 3 says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, and the moon and the stars which you have ordained, who am I, who is man that you are mindful of him? When I consider, the word consider means to ponder. It means to, to, to think, to reflect. He says, so whenever I'm sitting and I'm reflecting and I'm thinking about your majesty, I'm thinking about your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars. Now remember, David was a shepherd boy. So he spent a lot of time out under the moon and the stars. At nighttime, tending to his flock. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers. The other day I was sitting on the deck outside. And, uh, and it was the evening and the sun was getting ready to set. And I just snapped this picture the, the other day. And I said, man, this is just so beautiful. We'll throw that picture up there. It, it just, this is just thought, I got this tree. I got this, this the sun. And I just like, wait a minute, God. I was just amazed at the handiwork of the clouds. Like God chose to, to give us a new drawing every day. Every day. The clouds never look the same. They never do. I mean, it's like God come and he took and he says, I'm going, you're my children. I've created this. This is for my good pleasure. The master artist of the universe is drawing this. And how many times have I walked by these things and not given him the glory or been so overwhelmed by other things that I didn't even pay attention that he was trying to speak to me? And as I'm sitting on my deck, all of a sudden I just, I got like this emotion in my heart, my soul, and I said, God, you're right here with me. I was by myself. Everybody else was gone. And it was just this God moment that me and God had. And I looked and I said, Lord, the, the problems that we're facing, the, the trials that we're going through, you're still God. And, and you're still making me a new picture every day. I, I want you to think about that. You remember when your kids were little and they scribbled you a picture? And they came back the next day, they scribbled you another one? You have the master artist who's not scribbling. He's saying, I want you to see who I am today. Do you remember this next picture, the, the Momitus Clouds? Did anybody see that the day when it came through Pittsburgh? These are known as Mammoth clouds. The science is heavy here today. The Mammoth clouds. I didn't take that picture because when those clouds came in, here's what happened. They were calling for the worst storm of the century. They said it's going to be a terrible storm. My wife looked on the phone. She goes, "It's going to rain." I said, "Well, I got to cut grass." She goes. Well, it's going to rain. I said, I got to cut grass because it's going to rain. I went out on the porch and said, it ain't raining. I'm going to cut the grass. So I started cutting the grass. And all of a sudden, these mammothous clouds came in. And I was in awe. I mean, I was just in awe. I was like, wow. 
And I kept cutting, and I kept looking up, looking down, looking up, and just cutting that grass and looking up. And I was in awe of who, like, this is the God. You know, think about, think about the moon and the stars. Did anybody go out? Do you remember a few weeks ago they said we're going to have the meteor shower of the century? It's supposed to be 200 shooting stars and meteors and all that. We had to go out from like 2 to 4 in the morning. Anybody go out? I did. Thank you. Thank you. A few people. I saw one shooting star that night. How many did you guys see? A few. I'm sitting there. I got my phone ready. I'm like, got my Hubble telescope right here. I'm going to see this. And you know what? I didn't need to see 200. I saw so many stars. It was so beautiful. It was so quiet. And I'm like, God, you are God. I'm like, and I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, this is two in the morning, I should be sleeping, but God, you woke me up to have time with you. And I'm sitting out here on this porch, and I'm like, this is, this is crazy. But I start to see the handiwork of God. And when you think of the moon alone, the moon, do you realize the moon is 240,000 miles from planet Earth? 240,000 miles, and yet it orbits around the earth with precision clockwork at 2,288 miles per hour. And it's always on time. As a matter of fact, if the moon were just a few degrees off, it would, the whole world would be flooded with unrestrained, unrestrained tides. You know, when you go to the beach, you look that up. Is it high tide or low tide? Because God said, I'm going to plan this. Perfectly. And he moves that moon as we're going around the sun. And God puts this all into place. The stars, think about the stars. After our sun, the closest star is 25 trillion miles away, they tell us. There's an estimated 100 billion stars in our Milky Way galaxy alone. 100 billion, just in the Milky Way. In the 1990s, they thought that there were only 3,000 galaxies. But since the invention of the Hubble telescope, they now estimate there to be 10 trillion galaxies, each galaxy with 100 billion stars. Folks, this is your God. This is your God. And the psalmist says here, who am I? Who is man that you are mindful of him? And listen, let me tell you, you are not just a little speck there. Verse 4 says this. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you would visit him? What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you would visit him? Who is man? Who are we? Listen, the son of God came to visit us. The scriptures tell us in the New Testament that God came to visit. God became flesh and made his dwelling. He came through all those galaxies and billions of stars all the way down to that little pale blue dot. He said, I know your name. I've got you covered. I'm coming to see you. And I want to have a relationship with you. Who am I? David is overwhelmed with the majesty of God. The majesty of God cares about every single one of you. God cares about you. He cares about your marriage. God cares about your prodigal child. He cares about your loneliness. He cares about your job. He cares about your future. He cares about your health. Everything related to us, God cares about us. Nahum 1.7 says that the Lord is good. He's a refuge in the time of trouble. So when David says this, he says, Who am I, the God, that you are mindful of us? 
He sh- and then he goes through and he tells us what God gives us. So in the midst of this, who am I that you are mindful of us? Well, God gives us. First of all, God has given you a place of value. You are valued. You're not just a speck of dirt. You are valued. Verse 5, for you have made him a little lower than the angels. You ever think of yourself? There's God. There's the angels. And there you are. God has made you just a little lower than the angels. You have a high place of value. You are not just a star hanging out there with no emotion, with no feeling, with no connection, no relationship to God. You are his creature. He created you for his glory. You have been given honor. Verse 5 says, For you made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him work to do. God's given us work to do. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. Like we have dominion over the works of our hands. Like we get the, we have this dominion over the, the beast of the field, everything. He goes on. He says we have responsibility. God's given you responsibility. You have put all things under his feet. All things under his feet. All the sheep and the oxen, even the beast of the field and the birds of the air. The fish of the sea that pass through the pass of the sea. God has given us this. And it's because, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Over in Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, Jesus said this. He said, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin. It's pretty cheap in those days. But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. The other day I was sitting in my office and I heard this bird fly right into my glass window. Down he went. And I forgot about it. A few days later, somebody found that bird outside. And I go, oh yeah, I remember that. The scripture says here, not a single sparrow falls to the ground without God being concerned. And then he goes this, verse 30. He says, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than all the sparrows. You matter to God. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to take you to Jesus. And I want to invite you to trust him as your personal Savior. If you've not yet opened your heart to Jesus, would you call upon the name of the Lord and just say something like this to him? Dear God, I need you. I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a Savior. You died on the cross, you were buried, and you rose again. God, I invite you into my life right here and right now. And for others, maybe you've been going through life and As you're moving through life, sometimes you forgot how big your God is and how important you are to Him. You're not just a speck in the universe. You matter to God. He knows your name. He's got everything planned. He loves you and He wants a relationship with you. Father, be with each person as we respond to you. As we go this week, Lord, may we honor you. May we look at the just how creation is screaming to us the glory and majesty of God. May we come and understand and thank you for the goodness that you have given to us. 
in the person of Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand as you respond? Slower than undeserved. 
its truth and power will always remain. But as my eyes close and mind awakes, no words come to fill the space. Cause words, they don't do your power much justice. It's too great, too great to be bound by little letters we make up. And it's funny that we sometimes think we understand the fullness of your glory by calling you this and that. But the reality is that we can't fully comprehend.